Welcome, everyone. CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for everything sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 9th, which means that Virginia basketball tips off its 2016-2017 uh, season in a couple days down in Greensboro against uh, UNCG. We will be, Lord willing, in the creek don't rise. I will be in the house uh, at the Coliseum. May it rest in peace. Uh, to check out uh, the Cavaliers in their opener. We're going to get into hoops and do our, our normal preseason uh, podcast uh, here in a little bit. We're also going to talk about UVA football just for a few minutes. We'll talk about the uh, loss down in Winston-Salem and talk about this weekend's game um, against Miami. Before we do that, let's go around and introduce everybody. Out in Fishersville, David Spence, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Good to be here, Brad. David Spence, Who Dave's on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the show. Welcome back, my friend. Yes, sir. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I got yelled at by a dude the other day on Twitter. Um, Ferber, I don't know if you saw it. I got so, – so, like, during the season, really quick aside. Uh, during, the, during games, like, I've been – we're doing uh, topics – so Tweetbot has this thing so you can basically link everything so like you could like basically make it into a story if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so you can basically see what's happened before. And so that helps me out because then I don't have to explain everything in one tweet. I can have like it go over like three or four tweets. But then they're all linked. So if you needed to see something, it's really easy and they're all whatever. Well, then some guy responded to me. He's like, why do you keep replying to your tweets all day? Like nobody wants to see all the replies. And I hadn't thought about that because I use Tweetbot. I don't use Twitter. I don't use the, the the stock app, which apparently every time you do that, it like moves all of them up. And I was like, oh, oops. So then I stopped doing it for that game. And then so then uh, when um, uh, Peacock committed the other night, I responded to like I replied so that those three tweets were linked, you know, just same idea, just housekeeping kind of thing. And he was like, why do you do this? And I had to kind of explain it to him. Um, but I hadn't gotten yelled out on Twitter. In a long what? Time. Yeah, that dude was fired up, man. Um, okay, so speaking of fired up, um, so Virginia loses 27-20 down in Winston-Salem in large part because they gave up uh, 10 second-half points off of turnovers, 17 in the game, and were 2 of 12 on third down. I realize that, that, that there's a lot of nuance to how you lose a game, but I feel like those two things just basically tell you all you need to know um, about that game. Uh, how was it viewing this uh, from far away? Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, how frustrating was that loss, um, and and what were some of your general thoughts on the game as a whole? I don't know if it's frustrating. I mean, it's I don't want to sound defeatist, but you know, it's we're kind of used to not winning. Um, I mean, I was upset we didn't win. <laughs> I'm always upset we didn't win. But why we lost is so apparent. I mean, negative three turnover margin. That's pretty much going to do it. Um, the frustration wasn't for the loss as it, as it was. If I had frustration, it's because it seems like we always find a new way to lose. Um, you know, Ben Kurt kind of struggled to start the season, had a good little run there, and then he's had a couple of games. It was okay against Louisville, but, you know, had a couple of interceptions that, that hurt. And then I, I would say I, I can't think of a game maybe other than Richmond that was worse than this one for him. Um and that's what frustrates me. I, I was hoping we'd see more improvement out of Ben Kurt at this point. Uh, I will say I, I'm I'm happy where the defense is. Obviously, playing Wake Forest isn't 
isn't a great test of, of your defense against a good offense. But I think we're seeing progress from the defense, and we're not seeing similar a similar trajectory from the offense, and that I don't like. Hmm. I also don't like losing. <laughs> Ferber, what about you? What, give me some thoughts. Give some hot yeah, takes. Yeah, a lot of the same. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same. I, th- I think the the reason for the loss is very evident. They went minus three in turnovers. Um, I mean, that's just not going to get it done. Uh, that and and just like Dave said, it's a the offense is kind of stagnant at times. Um, in that first half, you know, they had the the opening drive that was obviously very successful, and then for the rest of the half, they basically might as well have just not even been out there. Um, they just couldn't get anything going whatsoever. Uh, and then Bankert's fumble to end the half was bad, and then the back to back picks. And I mean, I'm not looking at the film like the coaches are, but it just looked to me like I don't know what he was seeing on the second interception that he threw. Um, he just basically threw it right to it. It was like he felt like he had to throw it like it was a Hail Mary at the end of a game or something. Um, and, I, I mean, those are very costly, and so you can't have that. Uh, I hate to put it all on one player, but, you know, his play definitely went a long way towards the loss, I thought. Um, obviously, he did make some plays that kind of, you know, kept them moving, and, and he did contribute to the offense at times, but um, you just can't be minus three in turnovers and expect to win a game like that, and that's exactly what we said before the game. Uh, you know, on paper, UVA had everything they needed to win that game. It just they needed to play clean, and they weren't able to do that. Um, I think Dave's right. I think we're going to look back at the end of the season and and, and kind of marvel at, at you know at least a little bit about how far the defense came from the Richmond game where they looked totally lost to now where they look like they're you know very competent to to decent stretches and and able to kind of you know boost the the team and put them in a position to win. And now it's just up to where the offense to, to try to be more consistent and, and find ways to sustain drives rather than just have one good drive here and there. And, and then, you know, a lot of stale, you know, stale drives. The thing I, on your, on the point of, I haven't actually watched it. Uh, I didn't watch the, the replay for obvious reasons, but I did uh, for live. I actually thought he had a guy. Um, I, I don't know who it was trailing. He was, but I think what he did was he knew he was about to get hit, and he—I don't know if you guys have noticed this—but he does this thing where he kind of, he like looks down almost like slightly down and yep. just like wings it, and it just sailed on him, and his his momentum was kind of carrying him out of bounds, obviously, as he faded toward the uh, toward the sideline, but then as he threw, it basically turned his 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 chest almost like toward the middle of the field, so as he thought he was throwing it way closer to the to the uh, sideline it didn't go there look i i am not going to defend any of these poor decisions um because they are i mean ultimately what it comes down to is believing in your arm talent way way too much um and he's got to he's got to just eat the ball sometimes and the deeper problem i think that he has and it's weird to see a quarterback regress this way but like the first sign of any pressure especially if it comes um in, in the interior of the line. I mean, he's gone. I mean, he's out of the pocket. He's fleeing. And defensive have gotten to the point where they're they're flushing him where they want him to go. Um, and they understand where the scramble route is. So they basically, they wait for him to get out of the pocket. They take away those options. And then he does that thing where he like, he flattens it off because he's trying to stay behind the line of scrimmage so he can throw. Okay, makes sense. But then he's, at the, at the last second, he just kind of throws it into the ground, you know? And I'm like, dude, if you just, Put the ball forward and put it in your right hand as you're fading to the right sideline and just go up a couple yards. You know, get you get you two or three. 
Um, I, I just some of the stuff it just doesn't really make sense to me, and I I know for a lot of people. It's fun. It's weird, right? That that you're talking about a, a team that has changed quarterbacks, changed offensive coordinators, changed head coaches, changed everything, and yet here we are back again. But this is just what happens when you have bad quarterback play. Um, this is what it, this is what it looks like, right? You just you know, it's weird that they that they've had pick sixes, um, and they've been fairly long, right? The Whitehead kids was 59. I don't remember what the one Saturday was, but. It is a it's a strange situation. And then he had the one against he had the one against Central Michigan. Too. Yeah, it's it's strange because you just don't um, like you don't typically see guys as they get more experience regressing the way he has. And yet when he's good, he's really good. Like earlier in the game, um, excuse me, like when they had the um, you know they got the second, second half. half. Yeah, like they the, all of a sudden they're like, oh, look, offense, you know. And yeah, I will. I mean, the one thing I, I think not to defend him completely because he's made some terrible throws and his pocket presence has certainly regressed. But if you take away, and I know this is hard to do, but first half against Pittsburgh, other than that late interception, he was really good, you know, good enough to win second half. That's, you know, they kind of hemmed him in. He had a bad half um, Louisville, two interceptions, but the game, the, the team had the lead late, had a great drive at the end. Um, I, I don't like him in the huddle in a huddling offense. You know, it made sense against Louisville. Um, we kind of texted about it during the game. It look the first drive. You're like, Oh, this looks really good. But in retrospect, they ran the ball. Most of that drive, he made one or two small passes, nothing major. Um, unless I'm forgetting one. Um, and then he kind of struggled the rest of the half. It's almost like because they're in the huddle and they're slowing down the tempo, he tried to make too much out of every play because it felt like you weren't going to get as many. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's the reason we huddled against Louisville was to, you know, keep the, keep their offense off the field, you know, to make the game shorter, but cause they were, you know, significantly more talented on offense. Um, I think that because of that success, I don't quite know why we decided to keep huddling. Um, and when you looked at those first two drives in the second half where he did well, it was, there were no huddle and then we got the lead and all of a sudden we went back to huddling and he never recovered. Um, so you, you kind of you know when you when you huddle and you and you make every play more important because you're reducing the time on the clock. I think he tried to do too much. Um, so I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. Maybe he just wasn't comfortable. So I expect to see us you know maybe get out of the huddling against Miami. Um, I kind of hope so because that's kind of not how you practiced all spring all summer. Um, but yeah, you know he, he certainly his pocket presence something is snapped he went back to where he was before um we're late in the season now don't don't be afraid to get hit anymore just go play yeah i i think you're, you're right about the huddling it was funny because i thought going in i thought you know what you could use some of that stuff you could try, you probably retrofit some of that and then they came out and they ran the ball so well and i was like oh okay cool like this this looks good and then after that it was like i mean everything evaporated i thought the huddling they were definitely better in the, in when they came out in the second half and they weren't. You know what I mean? Like, they just had a rhythm. And, and it goes back to something we've talked about uh, uh, several times, right, which is the idea that they just really need to um, – they really just need to go ahead and be who they're going to be and stop with so much substitutions. If you, if you just put guys out there, put them in position, let them make plays, let them fail if they're going to fail. But, like, moving guys in and out and kind of being half, half go, half stay, I, I don't know if that really works well. Um, Let's uh, let's jump into uh, Miami real quick because we want to get to hoops as fast as possible. Um, I don't think Virginia's going to win this game. This is, 
anybody want to disagree with that? Anybody want to try to prove me wrong? I just this is a when you lose four straight and then you come back and you get yourself right. I mean, unless you're going to go Virginia in 2012 when they like lost a bunch of games, beat NC State like a drum, and then disappeared again. Oh wait, did they did they win another game after that? Does anybody remember that? 2012. Yeah, wasn't that the NC State game with the with the with old? um... They won the night. They beat Miami the next weekend in the shootout. Yeah, good old uh, Al Golden. This is not the Al Golden Miami, and I I I don't know. I your hope here, I guess, is that you want to force Brad Kaya to make to have to make throws. Um, You know, Mike Barber from the Richmond Times dispatched the story out today uh, about. Virginia, you know, not giving up as many big plays, but I think one of that part of that's because they had a whole game against um, a dude who didn't go deep at all. Um, you know, they, I mean, Wake Forest wasn't really trying to look deep. Uh, how do you feel about this game, Dave? Let's start with you. Uh, let's go straight to the picks. Um, in the preseason, you had Virginia winning this 31 29. What do you feel like now? I, I think Virginia is going to win this game. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get into a big argument with you. It, it's nothing I've seen on paper. It's just you got a feeling. And the other reason I think Virginia is going to win this game is I'm going to pick them to lose this game. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to switch my score. I think it's going to be a really close game. I mean, it's a 10-point game in Vegas. I, I, Vegas has 32-22, I think, last I saw. Um, I'll go. Th- I'm just going to flip it. I'll go Miami 31, Virginia 29. So you think they're yeah, going to win it, but you're going to pick against them for mojo purposes, huh? Not just for mojo. I mean, there's just something. You know, I kept looking at it, thinking about it on um, for the podcast tonight. I, I just think we're going to see something different out of the team this weekend. I mean, it's a senior. It's senior day, and I know that's you know it's not quite as big of a, you know it's a little bit different in football. Um, but you know, there's some very important seniors on this team, and. I, and I don't know. I, I just I get a feeling it's a team this these seniors have had, you know, had success against. Um, so it wouldn't shock me for Virginia to come out and win this game. I mean, it's not if Miami hadn't reversed kind of where they have been trending this past game. I, I don't think we'd all be like, oh, they can't win it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just Miami kind of re-exerted themselves against Pittsburgh. So right. I wouldn't be shocked if Virginia wins, but I'm picking picking them to lose. Maybe so they'll win. I don't know. All right, Ferber. You, in Let's the just pre- talk about basketball. In, in the preseason, <laughs> Ferber, you had you had Virginia winning this twenty-seven twenty-four. What say you now? Oh man, um, I think it's going to be close. I do think Miami will win. Um, I, I think Miami did a lot of good things last week against Pitt. From what I saw of that game, I watched a good deal of it, and I've seen a lot throughout the week as we try to you know kind of prepare for this game, but. I think that game kind of bodes well for how they can play um, against UVA. I think Brad Kai ended up with five touchdowns, so um, that's something to watch. Uh, this isn't, like you said, this isn't the same Miami team. I don't think they're as vulnerable as they've been in years past, even though they've had some injuries. Um, I think that they'll they'll come in and win, but, I mean, if we've learned anything this week, it's that sometimes people win when you don't expect them to. <laughs> hey um, So, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um but, you know, I think, like I said, I think UVA will keep it close. Um, but I think Miami will end up winning somewhere in the 28-24 range. All right, so you basically flipped it. Um, yeah. In the preseason, I, I had I had Miami winning this one, 31-23. Uh, I am going to um, bump that up, but not really significantly, mainly because I don't know who's kicking a field goal or two for Virginia. 
Uh, I look. I I watched. Um, I watched Virginia play Louisville tight, and I I feel like defensive line pressure could be a, a big boot, a big a big part of Virginia um, possibly winning this game. It would not surprise me if they won, but I think part of part of part of my curiosity in this game comes down to. Dave mentioned, you know, senior day. I wonder what that's really going to be like for this group. You know, you might have a couple guys who could be playing their last game uh, in Kaiser and Blanding, depending, or maybe maybe even Drew if they he decides to go. Um, so that that angle would be will be interesting. I just I have a problem picking Virginia to win this game in large part because ten points in Vegas. Maybe that maybe the game is is. Is is that is that kind of a stretch? I just think it's a little tighter, uh, in large part because I, I think Virginia does play pretty well at home. Um, that seems to be something that they've kind of rallied around. Um, I I like the comparison that Ferber just made to Pitt. Um, you know, Virginia's defense, Pitt's defense. The problem that I have is is that um, just the the lack of consistency. I, I think to beat a team with with more talent, you got to be way more consistent than they are. And um, maybe Virginia can force Kai into making some mistakes, but I kind of I I've gone I, I I like I said I don't think th- I don't think it would be it would be a shock to me if they won, but I just I, I still I, I I don't expect it to happen. So I got Miami winning it, um, thirty-one to twenty-eight. And uh, there there's there's football. Okay, basketball. Um, thing you're most excited for before we talk too many specifics. I, I just want a general kind of quick little give me a blurb about what you're most excited about other than actually playing you know watching in the basketball game dave what's what's the thing you're most excited about this team this season most excited um should have sent us the questions in advance yeah <laughs> but I, I like i like i like the live element i like hearing you uh hearing you stand honestly I, I think it's it's the new regime i mean really the only holdover from from the acc championship team um is london so it's it's a whole new regime. It's a now. new day, huh? Yeah, it's a new day. Ferb, what about you? What are you most experience? excited about? Uh, I think Dave kind of hit on it. Just some of the new players that are going to be um, playing alongside some of the guys that have, you know, we've seen with experience. Um, I'm especially excited for Austin Nichols and to see how this coaching staff has been able to develop um, a very good low post score over the last two years with him being in the program and you know obviously we've seen what they've been able to do with guys like Mike Toby and even before him I mean they took somebody in a Sansen who could barely catch a basketball um and and turned him into a serviceable big man um so I think uh it'll be exciting to see if they can continue that with somebody that has a lot of skill and uh talent I think the thing um and I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit here so when I did the Q&A with Williford I asked a question about experience and he was basically like, well, we, he basically kind of approached it from the as- aspect of, well, we really don't have that much experience. And then I really started thinking about it, and he's right. You have London, you have Devin, you have Marielle, and you have Isaiah. They've all played a lot of minutes. But, like, Darius is still relatively new. You've got two kids that have recently joined the program, right, in Diakite and, um, um, all, and Nichols. You've got Salt and Reuter, who have played sparingly each. And the more I start thinking about that, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to is this is the season. You ready for this? This is the season that tests Virginia's model. Okay, in the years past, you had younger guys 
nicely like kind of fit in with more experienced guys, right? But with those seniors gone, you no longer have this block of experience that you can just rely on. You know exactly what you're going to get from Malcolm Brogdon. You know typically what you're going to get from Anthony Gill. You know typically what you're going to get from Justin Anderson. You know you know what you're going to get from Joe and Akil. The way that they kind of seem almost seamlessly merge those that experience with with youth as it came. This is different. This is yeah, you've got London at the one, but everybody else is either going to be playing in a role they haven't played, right? Guys playing a lot more minutes or being relied on in a lot bigger spots, as well as newcomers, fresh, true freshmen or not. And so, to me, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to, and I guess we really won't get to see it for um, un- until the the second game, but the thing I'm looking forward to most, I think, is is watching this this group and seeing if the model really holds. Um, I saw Andrew Ranspacker from the uh, Daily Progress caught up with Williford today for a story, I guess maybe sometime this week, and he asked him about the uh, rotation um, and, (laughs) you know, them being them. They just basically like, yep, defense isn't very good. Uh, So I wonder how long it takes before that that group rounds into shape. So, I mean, I think I do I do think that this is this this is the team in the season that that tests Virginia's model and see if if it works. Um. Guy, you're what? Who, who do we think? Do we think we have a consensus on a starting five? If you had to pick a five, do you feel like you could do it? Um, if so, why, Dave? Let's let's actually Ferber. We'll start with you because we just put Dave on the spot. D- do you think you could pick a five? I, I, like, and when I say that, I mean I, honestly, obviously, I know you could pick five. You know, point at a piece of paper and pick five guys. But do you feel comfortable with a five that you think is actually going to be the regular starting rotation? Um, and if so, or if not, why? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you could probably, you know, every magazine that does college basketball projections has like projected starting fives and stuff like that. So you could do it that way if you choose to do so. But um, I think in the past we've seen that Tony has thrown wrinkles in there. Um, maybe guys that we didn't really expect to start right away have started. And then he's, you know, sometimes backed off of those guys as the season's progressed. I mean, if you think back to the 2014 season and how London Perantes kind of came out of nowhere and ended up captaining that or not captaining, but you know what I mean, running the offense at point guard. I mean, that wasn't something that anybody projected coming into that season. So um, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, last year, Darius Thompson was the guy who kind of came out guns blazing, and then they backed away from him and used other guys and came back to him late in the season. So I think with so many different options on the wing, I think that there's a lot of mixing and matching potential there. So I don't feel very confident in naming five guys right off the bat. Um or that the same five guys that will be starting at the beginning of the season will be the starters once they get into conference play. What about uh, what about you, Dave? If you, do you feel like you could pick five, like legitimately five that you think would would actually that you'd have a lot of confidence in being the the standard rotation? Yeah, I I don't know if you'll have a standard rotation um, for the whole season. I mean, I think it's going to change just because kind of as you alluded to is one of the things I was going to bring up. It's um, the first time since probably what year two of the Bennett area where you didn't have two or three like stalwarts to the team that you were going to kind of that had played a lot the year before you're going to build around. Um, you know, it's there are a lot of moving pieces now. Granted, the talent level of the pieces you're going to be adding are a lot different than they were year two or year three. Um, but you know, it's just so much change. I mean, and then you take in. 
I know Austin Nichols won't start game one. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, I, um, but yeah, yeah, I think just based on what we heard, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, to believe that Austin Nichols won't be a, a stalwart in the start. Yeah, obviously London. Um, but that two, three and four, just, just so many, so many variations. Um, I think as a, as a, as the fan of the three of us, um, it, it would be great if it's Mariel, Devin and Isaiah, because that means the guys with most experience are playing the best. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be that way, way because I think there's going to be some some pressure from some of the younger guys. And you don't, you know, between Mamadi and the advancement we've you know seen out of Jared in the post, that they're going to be hard to keep off the, the floor. But um, so yeah, my guess is it's going to be that Shayok, Devin Hall, combination will probably start the season and that's where you'll have some kind of change just kind of seeing how not only how to, how the talent fits for the starting lineup but how the plot players respond off the bench you got a, a lot of young talent that has hasn't set the bench in very many years so um Shayok has proven he can do that and Devin to some extent has so Long, um, long answer. No, got nothing for you. <laughs> I think I could. I, I think I. I think if I had to, have I had to bet? Um, I would say that Virginia's regular five would be London, Devin, um, Darius, Isaiah, and Austin. Now, I believe that early in the season, Jared's going to get a lot of burn, and I think early in the season, uh, you're going to see Tony as he normally likes to do in November, December. You're going to see him mess with the lineup a little bit, um, playing different groups together, trying to see who looks better coming off the bench. Um, so maybe Marielle ends up being a starter. Darius comes off the bench. Uh, I think Kyle Guy is probably the next guy up, uh, no pun intended, um, because I, I think he brings you an offensive element. Plus, I think Tony's going to want to see what he can do. Um, the, I, I do believe that y- there's a chance that um, you're going to see more Jack Salt this year than most people think. Um I think one of the things you're going to see from from Tony is he's going to try to use more guys. Um, maybe that's one of those things that happens up until roughly uh, New Year's Eve when ACC play really starts. Um, but I, I think if, I think your regular rotation is going to ebb and flow a touch because I think Tony's going to want to play a lot of guys, and that generally is going to mean that some nights with matchups, some guys are going to get just more minutes than other guys. Um, so I, I, but I do believe uh, just in, in, in what I've heard about Darius and, and Devin both, I, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing them play. Um, early season schedule, they, they start at UNCG, which is, you know, Tony likes to start on the road. They have a couple home games um, before they, they start in the, uh, I guess technically Grambling State is a home game, but it's part of the um, Emerald Coast Classic, whatever that is. Um, Toughest game in the non-conference, I would think, would be the the game at uh, Villanova, which is randomly at the end of January. Um, but I don't know if you guys would take um, uh, the Cal game at Cal uh, instead. Toughest non-conference game, what do you think? I guess you could say Iowa uh, in the Gold Coast Classic if you really wanted to. But I mean, I think Villanova is going to be the toughest just based on not only the time of year it is, but but who it is. Um, my second choice would be West Virginia, honestly, over Cal. I think West Virginia is even, even really though they play at home. Year. I don't know, man. Cal's yeah, a long way. Yeah, Cal's I mean, a long trip. 
Like a yeah, long Cal's trip. a long trip, but it's basketball. It's not like they're taking a bus out there or a covered wagon. Ooh, am I going to go to Cal? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's not like yeah. taking, a, taking the Oregon Trail out to Cal. Yeah. That's true. You know, it's a 10 o'clock tip, so it's, that's you know, 10 o'clock Eastern. So, yeah, that's a little weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are three. T- those are definitely the three toughest, I think. But that West Virginia game, I think just because it's so early in the year and you've got so many pieces, you know, think about the guys we're talking about about is questionable starters are all guys are going to touch the ball touch the ball a lot and true those young guys will never see pressure like that that's true Ferb, what about you west virginia villanova what do we think toughest non-conference i think i think villanova will be the toughest uh west virginia will be pretty tough but it's at home um that game at iowa will be, be interesting it'll be interesting to see if they get a shot at memphis um with austin nichols but uh, i don't think that'll be the toughest game but yeah i think you guys pretty much nailed that um I can't believe you guys showing no respect to Robert Morris. Um, okay, so ACC play gets started technically, I guess, on December 28th. Virginia plays at Louisville. They come back home on New Year's Eve for the for Florida State, and that's, I guess, when the when it kind of starts in earnest for real. It's so odd to me that they, they, they start that early. Um, I mean, I guess maybe they technically started early in the past. I just Maybe I just didn't feel it as well or feel it as, as much. ACC play. If you had you had to pick the the conference one two three, would you go Duke, Carolina, Virginia? Is that I mean that was kind of our consensus, right? Wasn't that if I remember? Wasn't that our consensus as a group? Yeah, yeah. that's my consensus. Yeah. Okay, for sure. so one two three. Right. What are some of the things that you're looking for from the uh, from the ACC this season? Um, and 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 I want to talk about it through Virginia lens. I don't want you to like. Well, I'm really curious to see what the rotation is going to be like at Florida State. Um, but but in terms of the conference as a whole, um, what are you kind of expecting from Virginia this season? Um, how do you feel about the schedule? Uh, talk to me a little bit about just what what you what you kind of see. Um, Dave, we'll start with you this time. What what do you kind of see um, on the conference slate uh, for UVA this year? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough conference. It's almost yeah, like it is. it's the best in college basketball. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this will be the, you know, we've had a few good, <laughs> the rumor is we've had a few good years in ACC. Um, I would expect us, you know, I don't see us finishing 16 and two. Um, I don't know. There's so many ways this season can play out. Um, I know we may talk about record here at some point. I don't really know what mine is. Um, it's a really, really tough conference. I mean, you, you're at Syracuse, you're you're at Louisville, you've got Carolina twice, um, Duke at home. I mean, there's just so many tough games, and then you throw in the Villanova thing in the middle of two, you know, of a game at Notre Dame and then in, and a game, a robbery game against Tech. That's really tough. Um, Louisville's going to be curious. I mean, I think they've got a chip on their shoulder after last year with all the NCAA stuff. They're going to be a really good team. That's a weird time of year. I think my guess is Louisville won't be in school, so we'll get some advantage of that. Ooh, good idea. Um, I hadn't thought about that. But it is, but it is a, it is a, a major metropolis. Um, <laughs> I don't think they'll have any trouble selling it out. Um, then you flip it. I mean, Virginia, Florida. State. I don't want to go through the whole schedule. I'm trying to see one that picks sticks out to me. Um, it's just a tough schedule, man. It's a tough league. We we talk Duke, Carolina, and Virginia one, two, three. Like it's like one, two, three, and then there's a big drop to four, five, six. But right. my my point of the ACC is is where is that line? I mean, 
Is it 10 deep? Is it 11 deep? Is it 12 deep? If, and it could be, um, and you, you know, it's just with all the, uh, the new faces we have at Virginia, it's not only the talent they have, it's how long does it take for, for, before Tony trusts them. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, we're used to, we're used to our, our guys being physically bigger than their opponents. Um, and if we don't, <laughs> when you get to the freshman, they're not. We're used to big guys like Malcolm and Justin and, and Joe even. Um, so it's going to be a different looking team. And can, can this young team hold up with a, a tough schedule? You know, Duke's proven they can take a, a roster and flip it over, but can Virginia. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting trip. But I think Tony does have one feather in his cap is I, I would I would think most Virginia fans feel like me. Be competitive in the ACC. I, I'm not upset if you don't win the ACC regular season championship. I've got bigger fish to fry now. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll go next, Ferber, to give you some more time to think. I, I like. I like the fact that I don't give you guys questions. This is organic. Um, my immediate thoughts on the schedule. That is as much time to think as I as I can get. <laughs> my immediate thought on the schedule was that's a. It's not a bad slate, right? From the conference schedule, at least. Um, you're right. I hadn't thought about that piece about Louisville's kids not being uh, in town. Um, though I guess then, you know, you're, like you said, maybe they, they still have a pretty good crowd. But um, the, the stretch that is interesting to me is the one that begins with January 29th when they go to Villanova, right? So then they come back for, for Tech three days later. They play them at home. Then they go to Syracuse that Saturday. Then they come back home for Louisville on Monday. Then they get a few days off, and they go to Blacksburg that Sunday before coming back for Duke at home Wednesday, then going to Carolina on Saturday. Then you get Miami on a short turnaround Monday, and then you get a few days off before you go to NC State. Now, look, I know I went through a bunch of games there, but think about the the geography and logistics of that little little jaunt right there, right? Tech is going to be improved, and I really hope that everybody on the message board understands that Tech's going to be better this year. Um, Those games are going to be absolute wars i mean they're just gonna be battles um and i I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun but it's gonna be tough road games at syracuse at virginia tech at north carolina the stretch and nc state at the stretch i just mentioned state probably has two pros right in dennis smith and um the turkish kid whose name i promise i will be able to attempt to say by the time these two teams play um home games in that stretch tech louisville duke and miami and Miami on a short turnaround um, after going to Chapel Hill. So, like, by that point in the year, right, like all the tinkering better be done by the time, you know, they get through maybe the the middle part of January because at the end of the month, the thing is the business is going to pick up. And so when I I think about this season, I I think Virginia ends up, you know, third is, I think, is a a good bet. Louisville and Syracuse aren't going to be too far behind, though. Those are going to be two very talented teams. Um, So I think it's a – it's a it's an interesting year and it should be a tough year. And if Virginia, you know, like look, they put up some some just filthy numbers in terms of win loss the last few years. That that's n- probably not going to happen this year. And folks need to kind of be prepared for that. They could be a better team. I know. I think we said some of this last year, but this I mean, this is for real. Like they could be a much better team and still have way more losses going into uh, the postseason this year. All right, Ferber, your time is up. Um, what say you? What, what, how are you feeling about UVA's ACC slate? Do you, where, where do you kind of see things, and what are some of the um, the things that kind of stick out to you? 
Yeah, I was actually looking at the same stretch that you were in ACC play. Of course you were. Um, you're smart. Of course you, of course you right? agree with me. You, you're smart. I didn't, so I'm dumb. Yeah, you are dumb. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Anyway, go ahead, Ferber. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, the game I was kind of looking at first was that game at Syracuse on a, I believe it's Saturday. Um, that'll be a, an interesting game because you think that UVA is probably going to want that one really bad, um, considering what happened the last time they played Syracuse. And then, you know, like you said, you come home t- two days later to play Louisville, and then you have Tech on the week again. You go, you get Duke at home um, in the middle of the week. You know, it's not a Saturday night game. Um, and then you get Carolina on the road. And then, you know, a couple tough games after that, and then you got Carolina again. So um, that stretch of at Syracuse, Louisville, at Virginia Tech, Duke, at North Carolina is going to tell what kind of team this really is. Um, you know, three tough road games in, I think, really good environments in uh, Syracuse, Blacksburg, and Chapel Hill, and then two home games against teams that are going to have enough talent to win a ton of games this year. So that's a really pivotal stretch, but... You know, as we talked about, the the depth of the league is such where this year there's not going to be a lot of stretches of cakewalk games. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the league schedule, they open up at Louisville. Um, you know, that's going to be a really hard game. And Florida State at home is winnable on New Year's Eve, but, you know, definitely not a, a gimme. Um, then you go into Pitt, that's a tough place to play. you got to go to Clemson, that's a tough place to play. Um, I don't have to tell you guys about <laughs> some of the things that have happened in Boston College. So, um I think it's a tough stretch even at the beginning where it might be a little bit more favorable. That's actually a, a nice little segue because um, do you, you, you mentioned that it might be a little bit more favorable. I, I, I know for a lot of fans, the unbalanced schedule is a thing, right? Uh, I admit I don't have everybody else's schedules in front of me, um, but I, I look at the schedule and I feel like this is a, this is a challenging schedule. I mean, look, you're, you're going to play – uh, you're going to play North Carolina twice within nine days of each other. Um, <laughs> you're going to play at NC State. You're going to play at Syracuse. You're going to play, I mean, obviously Villanova's just a, uh, at a conference game. I feel like if Virginia has the type of season that we're expecting, it, this is, this, is a, this is a really good group going into uh, the NCAA tournament. I know it's a crapshoot to say, oh, I think this is a Final Four team, or oh, I think that you know, because Ferber has been a big, a big um, champion of this, which is the idea that like, at some level, like once you get past like the Sweet Sixteen, like legitimately, like at that point, you just need a lot of stuff to kind of go your way. Um, how I, I guess I want to ask the question of how far you think they get without asking you to like be quoted on, oh, this is a Final Four team. Like, do you think they have the goods to win a championship, considering? how close the previous years have gone. Let's let's ask it that way. Uh, Ferber, we'll start with you this time. Do you think they have enough to win a championship knowing what you know about the rest of the league and, and some of the other better teams in the country? Do they have what it takes? Yes. Will they? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's kind of unlikely, but uh, at the same time, it could end up being one of those years where it's kind of a crapshoot and the standings, um, you know, are very jumbled and could just kind of unfurl in a way that one of, you know, four or five different teams could end up being first. I mean, I feel pretty confident in putting Duke one because I think they have the best team and I think they're the most likely team to be 
national champions actually at the end of the season. But at the same time, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they finished third in the league in the standings um, going into the ACC tournament just because of the youth that they have and some transition that they might have earlier in the league schedule before they can really get their momentum going. Whereas a team like Virginia that has more, you know, even with the transition of their roster a little bit, they have a a very sound strategy in place and won't need to tinker too much with it, I don't think. Um, so they could get out to a lead, but um, I think it'll end up being a very tight race at the top. And there might even be a surprise team in there, you know, that um, kind of elevates from that second group below the top three that ends up, you know, competing for the league championship as well. Yeah, I'll I'll answer my own question before I make Dave go. I I feel like you could look at this two ways. You can look at the last year's team and say, well, if they didn't do it then, when they had the ACC Player of the Year and the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, they're probably not going to be able to get it done this year with so much, so many new pieces. I also look at it from the standpoint of, yeah, but they've got a lot of interchangeable parts, and a lot of times to win a win a title, um, you got to have pieces that you can move around a little bit. And I, I'm interested to see how Tony uses some of these guys, if he, if he uses them in the way that I, I kind of envision it, uh, if guys continue to develop the way, the way we think they do. Um, I think this is definitely a Sweet 16 type of team. Beyond that, it's tough to say because you just don't know how the other pieces are going to fit in. And, and, I, and I understand, too, that this is London's last, last year, and it's, it's hard to say that in, in his final season they might not be as good as they've been, but they really did lose a lot from that team last year and they do have a lot of new pieces and it's going to take time. And this is a tough conference that you got to get through um, to even get to the postseason. So I kind of feel like it's a sweet 16 type of team that could certainly go further. If some things fall into place, one defensively, they got to improve a lot um, Two, the offense has to continue to evolve the way we think it will with, with Kyle and, and some of the other guys on the wing. And then three, I think that, it's 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 hard to underestimate or excuse me it's hard to um overstate just how important that trip to Spain was for these kids because one of the things that you learn from watching Virginia basketball over the years is that like they're at their best when guys are, are incredibly close you know like defensively when when these kids move as one is when they're playing the best pack line that they play and so that bonding at aspect of, of going to um, uh, to Spain and, and kind of that what that trip that trip can do for for the younger guys especially um, I think that's important but I also think there's a possibility that like you're putting more miles on these kids and that's a long season for guys that have not play, did not play a long season last year so I think that you have there's like a balance thing right there's you got you got a good boost you would hope from uh, you know the 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 team aspect of it the 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 bonding and and being able to play as one unit but at the same time you you're going to have a lot of miles and that's something to keep keep track of i I know for a lot of people they're like oh these these are younger kids who cares yeah but you know what it's still a wear and tear just look at some of the teams virginia's had in the past these kids are not going to be as physically ready um as some of those other teams have been um all right dave what about you how do you feel about virginia's postseason um possibilities how where do you see him going and um like i said I, i'm not saying you got to say um oh they're going to want to they're you know, going to a final four finally but um how, how do you feel about this group and what you at least what you know of it as of now um with the postseason yeah. i mean i think if you just look at the roster given what's coming back obviously 
last year's team, I'd be a lot more comfortable. You know, last year's team was a championship level team. Um, I mean, it was Villanova and Carolina in the final, and we know how that went. Um, so, you know, that last year's team had the talent to win it all. But you you look at, you know, I don't know if this year's Virginia team could beat the, that last year's Villanova or Carolina yet. Um, but I feel like what's coming back, Virginia's got enough talent where it would not surprise me if everything goes like we think it could. I'm not saying should, but could with the development of the young guys and, and progression of the, the guys that are here and the red shirts joining them. Um, and we talked about this last year. I think we're underselling how much London's going to stir the strength this year. Um, I mean, London had, he, he's a fiery competitor. Um, and I, I am looking forward to seeing how, I mean, he know he, he's been so good when he had stars beside him and no one to, take shots and not take shots. Like I have no reason to think that's going to get worse now that he may be the one who has to take the shot more. Um, but he's so good at setting guys up. And I think we overlooked that a lot just because of the talent that's been around him. Um, just such a, an innate understanding of the game. And most good teams have a really good point guard. We've got that. So there's no reason if this team progresses like we think they could, that, I would be shocked if they make the final four. Now that said, if, if some things don't fall, you know, it, it could be you know, out before the sweet 16. It's just, there's a lot of unknown pieces, but given who we have as a coach, given the fact you've got a point guard of London's quality, a big man um, like Austin, some role players that, you know, somewhere from that hall, Shayok, Thompson, Wilkins, thing is going to step up big. We've seen that every year with Tony, and I'm not, you know, one of them is going to step up. Um, I'm not willing to say this team is championship level, but I would not be shocked if they make the Final Four. There are just so many variables. You, you start talking about Duke as a championship team, and I keep, every time I look, turn on ESPN, someone's hurt. And then, <laughs> one of those like, dudes wow. got hurt again, yep. Yeah. That's right. Um, I mean, so, you know, it's not like Duke's got a lot returning other than, you know, they've got more returning than they normally do, but we, we give them a pass, so at one uh, point, it's Tony no. earned that pass. No, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I think it's different. I think in what Duke wants his, it, what what K wants his kids to do, what he's asking them to do, you can he's he's got a system that works with kids who can who can come in right away. Yeah, that's yeah, not what that's exactly not what, what Tony saying. builds. No, I'm not saying Tony's getting is so good at identifying kids that fit his system. Like at, at what point? At some point, we're going to be like, hey, Tony's got freshmen, and he'll have them going by the second half of the season. That's what I'm, you know. I would, would agree would with you, that. Will I, we be shocked if that's this year? No. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree that eventually that might. But my the the thing that's different is is that Tony sees these kids and sees potential in them, but he also understands that it takes time. Kay really does recruit for one year kids, and so yeah, his yeah. his model is just very different. What Tony Tony might see a kid and say, "Okay, you fit what it want," but it might not just necessarily happen right away. Typically, because he likes the, he likes his wings especially to be bigger. Um, stronger kids. Now with Marco Anthony, I mean that dude is a grown ass man. I mean he's like six six uh two twenty, two twenty two, I think is what he told me the other day. Like he I mean he's he looks like Justin Anderson's younger brother. He absolutely does. Um I mean he'll come in and probably play right away and, and if and depending on how he moves his feet and if he can play it well, um, you know, he'll he'll make some contributions early. But I, I, I think you're right about um Tony getting a pass at some point because I do think maybe even this group and let's talk about freshmen. Um, the guy that you're most excited to see, um, I'm going to go first because I feel like I've 
put you guys in, in on the uh, on the spot too many times. Mine is Kyle Guy, and I have moved um, primarily because of what I heard about in the scrimmages. But uh, I have moved to going from from Hunter to to Guy mainly because um, I'm just really interested to see. I don't have. I mean, I guess you could say that London has moments where he plays somewhat cocky, and I guess maybe you you go back to a keel. He would he would do the Kevin Garnett you know block of the shot after the whistle thing, but. No, I don't think we've seen anything in a Virginia uniform like Kyle Guy. Like, the weirdest kind of combination of, like, a humble kid who is also cocky. Like, he's going to drive people crazy, and it's going to be fun to watch people be crazy um, because he's driving them there. Um, I just, I'm just really interested, not necessarily just from, like, how much he contributes and how many minutes he gets and all that, but I'm just interested in the, in the, in the, uh, the kind of cultural piece of it all. Um, like I said, he's just not the type of kid that Virginia's had He's just not afraid of anything. Um, now he's still humble, and he's still, you know, I think he's still a kid who who appreciates everything he gets, and he's not a a me first guy. But he plays the game with swagger, with attitude. And you, who's the guy? I mean, can you even think of a dude who played that way for Tony at UVA? I mean, for Justin. Tony, no, that's it. <laughs> Justin's the only one. Justin was like, Justin was like the Kevin. <laughs> Justin was like so uh, energetic, and and certainly was a was a was a was the consummate teammate. He was always cheering, and he was demonstrative. But the, Kyle is just a different animal. So that's kind of of the newcomers. I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just kind of the cultural aspect of Kyle being himself and and it being somewhat out of the norm uh, for 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 UVA. Uh, Ferber, let's go to you next. Young kids, yeah. What? Did you just like, like bark at me? No, young kids. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Young kids who you're excited about. Which one? Yeah, I the- mean, yeah, guy was the obvious one for me, because I think he's probably gonna play the most, and I think he's going to be the best one right away. Anyway, um, you know, he, like you said, I think he's gonna be pretty much hated throughout the conference, especially over the years, because he'll probably end up being you know one of those four year type guys. Um, so, uh. I also think that DeAndre Hunter is going to, you know, be an interesting watch just because um, I think he's kind of flown under the radar with this recruiting class because of guys like I, and, you know, the type of personality that they are. I think Hunter's not like that per se, uh, a little quieter, um, and he kind of committed without a lot of fanfare. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, he could get on the court a lot, and especially with a lot of competition for those spots. All right, Dave, what about you? Guy, your mo- young kid you're most excited to see? Jay Huff. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> no, such a jerk. Really. No, um, I'm excited to so see who's the So who's year. the player that you're um, least excited to see? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, what were you saying, Dave? I'm going to go back to my favorite. Um, I mean, I thought I'd say I thought you'd say Hunter, so I had God. T- so you had it all teed up, and then I, and then I switched up. Yeah, on I'm, I'm sneaky. I like mean, because you and I both have been all over Hunter for for the whole all metaphorically season, all like, over him. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we, we can't cover him. Um, no, we can't. Cover the I think Hunter's going to be a great piece, but the reason I'm so interested to watch guys, guys that you're right with that cockiness. He's that type of kid they can force another team out of its normal defense yes. because they don't want him to score. Yes, exactly. Because we've played those guys at Duke before. Yes. You know, with, um, I'm trying to think, uh, what's his name? Um, Dante Jones. 
Oh yeah. yeah. He had he had that kind of swagger. He would make you get out of position because you wanted to make sure you he just, didn't score. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Um, you know, Grayson's got that same thing going on. Um, and I think it's just gonna be fun to watch. Like he is going to be the most hated Virginia, and this is not a slight on Kyle, but if he was playing anywhere else, you'd hate him. I would be rude to him. Yeah, he'd drive you nuts. <laughs> like if he if he yeah. was a Duke, he would you oh you'd hate him. He'd be Wojo oh, all over again. He's um, gonna it, the thing is, just based on you know, obviously it's high school. But if you know, I followed his high school career, I'm sure you did too. It seemed like whenever he was on the road and against one of his rivals, that's when he stepped up the most. So he's going to be fun to watch just because of what he can do if he's on. Um, I remember, um, I remember Darion telling me years ago. He was, I forget what game. It was one of the tournament games that they lost, and he said he's like he was he was upset. And he said we need more dog in us. And that's what Kyle has. And you know what's funny is is that Ty has it too. Like, London has a fiery streak. I'm not trying to, you know, and, and I'm not saying guys aren't competitive. But, like, these kids are really are really that way. Like, Ty has it. Jay has it. Kyle definitely has it. Um, I think you're right. I think that they that he has a skill set, Kyle does, that, that, that will take other teams out of what they do uh, or make, you know, give them a real focal point. Almost, almost what, you know, to an extent what, what uh, Malcolm gave you uh, last year. Um, the last question I want to end on tonight, uh, as we wrap up here, I, I don't, I, I know we, we talked earlier a little bit about this. I want to kind of circle back, um, unexpected storylines and, and I'll go first. Cause I think this is something I probably need to explain a little bit more. So what I was thinking is like, there are lots of things that folks are, are, are looking for, for the season, right? You're looking to see how aggressive is London going to be? How do, th- how do the minutes settle out? between that three-headed monster at the 2-3, between Devin, Marielle, and uh, Darius? How much do the young kids play? Um, what's, the, what's the combinations in the post? The thing I'm most interested to see that most people aren't talking about is what Isaiah and Jared can do offensively. Because I don't think those guys are, at this point, on anybody's radar screen. But I think it could be incredibly crucial to Virginia as a whole, because look, if 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 what we've heard from the coaches is right, and that they're they're still trying to get there defensively, they're going to have to score points. Now we know they have better shooting; that makes sense, but they're going to have to score routinely. And the thing that they have not been able to do, had not been able to do last year, was to routinely go to somebody other than Malcolm and Jared and and Isaiah being able to hit a 15, 17 footer routinely opens up a wealth of possibilities, especially considering that you think that they're going to have more outside shooting. Um, so to me, that's the thing that, that, people, are, that people aren't focused on, but they, it, it could be incredibly important for this team. Are there any other kind of unexpected potential storylines or unexpected uh, thi- like things that aren't on people's radar right now that you're kind of looking for or watching? Um, Dave, we'll start with you. Anything out there? Yeah. If, not, if not, that's not a big deal. Yeah. I just thought it was a, an interesting way to kind of wrap up things. Now, immediately I thought of Isaiah Wilkins. We, I kind of joked about last year he needed to extend his range six inches. Um, I mean, if Isaiah can hit the three consistently, that makes us a very dangerous team. Um, I know it's <laughs> it's just one shot, but you know if you've got a, a stretch four with that defensive ability. Um, and passing ability. You know, don't, don't forget yeah, that. He's such ability. an excellent yeah. passer. Um, and then, because the, I don't want to steal your same answer, I'm going to say we, we don't talk about Mama D just because he's been sitting on the bench for a year. But this kid has the potential to be really special. Um, 
and you, especially when you team them up with with a low post score like Austin Nichols and the guys around them. So I hate to say he's kind of a un whatever the way you phrased it, but he, you know, I think Mamadi kind of gets overlooked because he's been sitting around for a year. So I think when people see him play. Um, there are going to be times where they're like, wow, that he has the potential to be the, the most special big man we've had in many years. That's a good one with, with Mamani. That was a good choice. All right, Ferber, you're up. Thank you. What, uh, thank you. Uh, what do you think? What, what are, do you have any, anything that you're kind of going to be looking for or curious about that maybe folks, maybe we haven't talked about or folks you haven't seen many people talking about? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would necessarily be a surprise at this point, considering how things have gone the last few years. But who's going to be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year this year? Um, obviously, UVA is riding a little bit of a streak in that regard, so it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, somebody does step up and becomes that elite defender. Um, I don't think people necessarily expected Darion to become what he became on the defensive end before the season uh, that he did. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that's somebody in the post or another guard like Malcolm. Um, I do think that one of the wing players, and I'm not necessarily sure who it's going to be, um, will take a pretty significant leap forward. Uh, it's just been the evolution under Tony Bennett to develop players really well from one season to the next. And you see those guys that you know make a leap from one year to the next and become – you know, you go from being a role player to like an Akil Mitchell who, you know, went from being a role player to somebody who was, you know, a leading contributor on a championship caliber team. So it'll be interesting to see who that is. I do think, you know, one of Mariel or, or Darius Thompson, one of those guys, I think will end up becoming uh, a go-to guy in this, you know, in the rotation and play a lot of minutes and end up being a big factor on the offensive end. Uh, you actually reminded me of something. Uh, Soderbergh said in the Q&A that, uh, the biggest challenge for them was finding their go-to guy on defense. And that I had not thought about until he said that. And that's a really good point. Like last year, they could just take Malcolm and it was like turning off somebody's faucet. Who, who is that dude for this team? I think that's a big question as they go forward, um, especially earlier in the year. I mean, listen, they're not going to play teams early in the year where they have, you know, it's not like they're going to play Oakland where Kay Felder is going to come out there and you got to figure out what to do with him. But you, you do need to have some kind of semblance of an idea. Um, my guess is Devin seems poised for that, unless you know some of the younger kids have – I mean, maybe DeAndre has the length um, and the bounce to, to possibly. But I, mean, I, don't think he can, I don't think he can touch that this year. Um, but I think he does have the potential there. So I think that's one other thing, um, if we can end on that note, is just the idea of like you, f- you know defense is such a priority for this team. Uh, the question is going to be how – how do they? How quickly can they become good defensively? Um, and then who is the who is the stopper? Who's the guy they turn to when they need a when they need um, when they need a, somebody to step up? Um, I think it's a good place to uh, put a pin in it. Um, we will get a lot of our answers, or at least start to get some answers on Friday night down in Greensboro. Looking forward to that one. Um, uh, of course, basketball season is always fun because there's more games, um, and Virginia typically wins games. Um, I'm sure I just jinxed it. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen. I want to thank uh, Dave and Justin for being on the show, as always. Uh, thank you guys for giving your time. I know you got a lot going on in life, so I really appreciate uh, you giving me um, about an hour now to, uh, to talk uh, UVA football and eventually hoops. Uh, so for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.